It's a good day. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, God. Thank you for gathering us together here and the sun shining and everything after a week of rain and and the things. But God, you know, even that was good. That was that was wonderful, Lord. Thank you. And uh, we pray for those that on the you know in the Carolinas and stuff going through the wall. They're going through right now. And uh, and Lord, just just reveal yourself, Lord, in a very strong, tangible way uh, there also but god uh, it's been a good week as far as like being out and about being able to see people witness all that kind of thing we we thank you for for all of that and uh, i i sense god that, uh, that those that are you've gathered here today or or um, you know there's smiles on their faces and everything as well so god i'm just asking you to just continue encouraging your people get us to where you'd have us to be and just to bless our time here together lord we pray this all in the name of jesus amen <clears throat> I'm going to ask if you would open to First uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, chapter one. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to check our pulse today. How's that sound? See if you're still alive. I was looking for a verse actually when I came across this verse, and uh, I was. Um, I was um, looking for. I was. I was looking at verses that had to do with uh, uh, praying without ceasing, and that's what sent me to the passage here. But while I was here, while I was in this verse, and you'll see what I'm talking about here in a minute. But while I'm in this verse, in the first few verses of First Thessalonians, I, I saw where it was talking about faith, hope, and and love. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, faith, hope, and love. There's a. There's a. There's a. You know what's the famous verse for faith, hope, and love is in is in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, where it says, "And now abideth faith, hope, and love; these three, but the greatest of these is love." Amen. Uh, you know that whole chapter talks about the exercising the gift of love, and it tells us what love is, and it's a very very popular chapter. I'm not going to read it now. I feel like I need to, but I'm not, I'm not going to. If you get a chance, uh, it's First First Corinthians chapter thirteen. But that last verse, it says, it says in, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it says, And now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, is love. And so that's what came to my mind as I'm reading this uh, passage here in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. That Look at that third verse for a moment. It says, Remembering without ceasing. That's the, verse I, that's the word I came looking for when I came to this verse. But then I, I, it's like I discovered so much more when I looked at it. It says, remembering without ceasing your work of what? Faith and, and the labor of love and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Man, isn't that wonderful right there? Here you go, you got faith. And that for some reason, I don't know, I don't, I don't associate this verse when you start talking about faith, hope, and love. But dang, right there it is. First, the first Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. You have all three of those things working, faith, hope, and love. In the, in the first Corinthian passage, it's faith, hope, and love. Here that he kind of changes the order up a little bit. He talks faith, then love, and then hope. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. But uh, in that first verse, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothus unto the church of the, Thessalon- of, Thessalon- of, the- of the Thessalonians 
which is in God the Father and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing back to the, to the Thessalonians. You remember the whole story about when Paul, he, did, he wanted to go to Asia. He went to the Lord and it was his desire to go to Asia. And we covered this like not too long ago. And the Lord said, no, I've got some, he, he, he refused and wouldn't allow him to go into Asia. I kind of take it if Paul insisted upon going to Asia, he could have gone to Asia, but he'd have been under his own power. It would have, it wouldn't have, the Lord would not have been with him. He'd have just had to go it, go it alone. But he had enough sense not to do that. He was waiting, waiting upon the Lord. But I'm sure when he thought the Lord, he had this burden on his heart to go to Asia, I'm sure he thought that was something that the Lord wanted him to do. Oh, surely the Lord wants me to go to, to Asia. I hear calling to Asia. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he thought the Lord wanted him to go to Asia. But then when the call came, that's not where the call came. Remember, he goes and he has, has the vision, has the dream, and he sees the man from Macedonia that says, come help us. You remember that? And so him and his, his the guys that he was traveling with at the time, they take that to mean this is the direction. This is the direction that the Lord wants us to go. And sure enough, they take off and they go down, they go that direction into Macedonia. Macedonia is a huge area. It's not just a city. It's a huge area. And as they take off on that and they start going that direction, you know the, the, the first place they hit is like the this this whole outline is like in uh, beginning in Acts chapter 16 if you want to read it later. But you're familiar with all the stories. <clears throat> the first place they go to is is the, the Philippi. And the first place they had they land is the Philippi, and that's where they had the encounter with the Philippian jailer, you know, the story of the Philippian jailer and all that. Well, the next place they go to is is Thessalonica. They go to to Thessalonica. That's the next place they go. And along the way, they're establishing churches. People are being saved. They're converting them. And uh, and uh, they, they're starting churches. They're also running into a lot of persecution. Everywhere they go, they're, they're being persecuted along the way. But then they go to Thessalonica, and they're only there for a short period of time. And, uh, and then after that, they go on to, uh, to uh, Athens, I think. But they end up in... Uh, in Ephesus, Corinth, I can't remember the the order in which they go, but you can, you, you know you can look them up. You can read how how it flows through the Book of Acts and kind of get a figure out where they're at. They get to they get to like Corinth and stuff like that. They last there a long time, like a year and a half, or or something something even longer, better than that. One of the things I've always found fascinating about the Thessalonica, the, this, the Book of Thessalonians, and everything, and I've heard this, and I think it's true is that this is one of the shortest places he stayed. And so I've always had people tell me that. You study the book of Thessalonians, and they say, he was only there for like a few weeks. He was only there for like a few months. So you read the commentators and all that kind of thing, and they leave this impression with you that you know when he got there, he ran into persecution. But in just a short period of time, and some people think it's as little as... He might have been only there like three or four weeks, three, four, five, six weeks. I mean, I don't know. At the most, some people say he might have been there, you know, maybe three or four months or something like that. But the thought is, of all the places that Paul went, this is one of the one of the places that he spent the least amount of time in. And I find it phenomenal because when he writes this letter 
It's a letter of encouragement. You know what happens is when he gets off, he gets down the road a little bit. He gets to like a Corinth and all that kind of thing. He gets this idea. He's concerned about them. All these churches that he's kind of started along the way, he's concerned for them because he, you know, he feels like he he's responsible for them. He's fathered these churches and he's left them. And back then, you know, you just couldn't pick up the phone. There wasn't no sending emails or text messages or anything like that. There was no way to keep in communicate constant contact with them. But he was concerned for them and you would be if you loved them and everything just like we're concerned for each other just because like I'm concerned for you or anything like that and he was concerned for him and so what he does is he sends Timothy back to check on him and Timothy goes and he comes back with a glowing report oh man you wouldn't believe how good these people are doing over there they're excelling and in the time in the midst of persecution and everything that they're facing and that's the reason why Paul had to leave Thessalonica to begin with he gets over there he all of a sudden runs into some persecution and the other Christians that are there encourage him you better you better leave because it's getting ready to get bad for you and so Paul has to has to slip out he leaves he'd have stayed longer but because of the persecution and them coming after Paul, uh, they decided it was best that Paul leave. And so, so Paul left and left them there. He's concerned for them. He sends Timothy back. Timothy goes back and tells him all this glowing report. And when Paul writes them this letter, it's amazing to me. It's a short, it's not a very long letter, but it's all encouragement to them. Oh, this, you know, you, these reports coming back, your faith that you have, your, your hope that you have, the love that you have for one another. All of this, mind you, in the face of some of the worst persecution, they were being persecuted by the Jews. They were being persecuted by the Romans. That, that little corner of the Roman Empire was under, was under heavy persecution and everything. Paul knew firsthand the sufferings and everything that they were going under, but yet their faith was, was tremendous. Their faith was strong. Their, their hope that they had in the Lord, the love that they had for one another is, a, is amazing. And so when he writes them back, it's a it's a letter of kind of like encouragement, you know, kind of hang in there kind of stuff. There's no reprimand. There's very little advice even in the letter. You read it. There's some practical kinds of, of advice. He kind of gives them some pointers and stuff like that. He talks about the soon return of the Lord and all that kind of thing uh, in here. But it's amazing to me to think that a church that he was there just for like a little bit of time, that short a period of time, leaves it, and then they're doing so well. And then when you get to like reading 1 Corinthians or something, one of those churches where he spent like a year and a half or longer, I don't know how long it's been a long time. Well, evidently they needed the longer time because these guys were all messed up. When when you read the letters of like First Corinthians and all of that kind of, it's just one one instruction after another after another. You know, like a reprimand here, a reprimand there. This is what you're doing wrong. You know, then all the kind. Of, he starts talking. He starts pointing out all the bad stuff that they're doing. I always look at it like if 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 your pastor launches off on a series of sermons on First Corinthians or something like that, uh, you, we must be doing something wrong or something. But to, to think of that, he tries to correct all them, but then this church that he spent so little time on, you know, little time there, God's doing a, a tremendous work there. And I find that, I don't know, I find that just fascinating. I, I do. It's all by the grace of God, you know, kind of a thing. I, I look at it like, dang, I, I can't get I can't get it, the simplest things done in two years. It takes me two years longer just to get the simplest little thing. You know, and here this guy, he sits back. And he's only there for a while. He has to leave under duress. Comes back, and and all it, all it is is just, oh, your faith is tremendous. Your faith, your your love for one another, you know the the uh, the hope and everything that that you have 
in the Lord. Must have had a tremendous a bunch of leaders and stuff in there at the time. But that's the scenario that this letter is is written under. So he's in, he's writing them back to encourage them. Now look at verse look at verse two and three for a moment. He said, "We give thanks to God always for you all." He makes thanks for all of them, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and of our Father. First thing I noticed there in verse 2, he says, he says, we give thanks to God always for you all. And making mention of you in our prayers. Notice he, he's concerned for people here. He's concerned. He makes mention for all of them. He's praying for everybody. And I'm taking it there's probably some when you get to the, like the chapter three or the last chapter of the, of the letter and everything. He makes mention of you know, you know those who are who are given trouble and and so there's 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 some there's some warning. Not everybody he's you know is is, is doing good. Yes, there's some of them probably going sideways on him and everything like that. But you know, he's not—he's not speaking ill of them or anything. What he's doing, he says, "I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them also. I'm praying for all of them." You know, what's it, what's it? He says things like, uh, "Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men." This is everybody. So when he's thinking of them, he's thinking of all of them when he says this kind of a thing. And here's the, here's the other thing that jumps out at me right here is that he says anytime they come together, whenever they come together, when Paul, he says, we give thanks to God always for, for, for you all. Making mention of you in our, in our prayers. You know, here's the thing. Do you, you, do you notice this, that Paul doesn't necessarily thank God for things? You know, you ever notice that? What's he thank God for? People. I thank God for you. Every time, I, every time we're together, my thoughts go towards you. I, I make, I make mention of you. He's not, he's not thinking about stuff. He's not thinking about things. And it's okay, you know. We, you know, we pray over our meals. Thank God, you know, the the, the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. You know. Uh, there's, there's things that we. It's, it's all right to pray for things, but then Paul's not praying for things. When Paul starts think, giving thanks to God, it's not being thankful for stuff. It's not being thankful for things, but it's being thankful for people. I, I almost it almost leads me to think that the closer we get to the Lord, the less important things become. The less important stuff is. It all belongs to the Lord. Amen. I mean, if he's allowed us to have it, 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 it had to pass through him. <laughs> the only thing we have are the things that he allows us uh, to have. And if he wants it or if he has need of it or whatever it is, he can come back and say, hey, I want that. Can I have that? We had this Bible study Wednesday night. He said, I want your donkey. And then somebody else brought up and said, he also one time asked for a boat. Can I have your boat? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Whatever you possess, whatever you may have, it all belongs to the Lord. Amen. And if he wants need of it, he can have it. You know, and so Paul doesn't worry about the things he has and the things that he don't. Chances are he doesn't have a whole lot, but what he does have is the Lord, 
and in the Lord all of his needs and everything are meant. How, how strange is that to our ears today? How where where pastors and stuff start talking about the Lord in terms of things. You know, if you ha- if you have the Lord, then you can have things. If if you trust the Lord and give to the Lord and, and whatever it is, you know, you got those kind of guys that are digging in your pockets and all that kind of stuff. And if you give all that, then you can have even more. And it's all about more and more and more and having things and more stuff. And uh, you think about those warnings that the Lord gave us about those guys that had so much stuff that they had to go build barns for their stuff. And then when they, they uh, what are we going to do with all this stuff? Well, the, and then he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll tear it down and build a bigger barn so I can even put more stuff in it. Listen, it's not about stuff. Amen? Following the Lord is not about stuff. It's not about things or anything like that. That's things that the world worries about. In our shallow-minded thinking, if all your concern is just on things and not the Lord, you're missing something. The closer you get to the Lord, the less important things become and the more important people and everything become. Amen? And so, man, I, th- I, I dare say, let's just, let's just move uh, closer to the Lord. As we move closer to the Lord, uh, the things of this earth grow strangely, strangely dim. Amen? And uh, I oftentimes tell people who are going through personal struggles with relationships and things like that, I said, listen, you can't fix their problems. You can't, you know, you can't fix what, you know, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. You can pray for them. Amen? But you work on your relationship with the Lord and let the Lord work on their and on them and then let, let Him fix all that kind of stuff up. But your concern becomes not with the stuff. You're, you're more concerned with the Lord. If you love the Lord, you love God, you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind. You're going to love the things that God loves and God loves people. Amen? And... And then when he says this, I get thanks to God always for you making mention of you in, in, in your prayers. You know, they were always... And the other thing is this. When he says, whenever we're together, whenever we're together, you know, that's when no matter what happens, whenever they're together, they pray. And uh, well, he's talking about his traveling companions here, Timothy and Sylvanus and all that kind of stuff. Timothy, he, he's, he's thinking about them. He said, whenever we're together, we pray. It's just such a natural thing for them to do. Pray. What do they, what do they, what do they pray for? for? What are they mindful of? You. You know, mindful of each other. We're thinking of you. But every time together, <clears throat> they're mindful. <coughs> every time. I think of that. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, I think of that. That's what we do. Amen? We come together. Already this morning, we've only been going here like 30 minutes or so. We've had, a, we've had two or three prayers already. We pray. We do something, we pray. We do something, we pray again. And why is that? Because the Lord says that my house shall be a house of prayer. Amen? And so when believers get together in the name of the Lord, there's this natural thing. Whenever we come together, a few names were mentioned before we pray. We always take these things. What's the concerns right now? And, and the Lord will bring these people to mind. They'll bring things to mind. They'll bring people to mind that we need to be concerned for, we need to pray for. And so whenever people are together, whenever believers are together, we pray. We've already done it three times already before I got up here, before I started speaking this morning. When we got here this morning, we prayed, we did a devotion, then what did we do? We prayed, then we went to Sunday school, first thing we get to class, what do we do? We pray, Sunday school lesson, when the lesson's over, what do we do? We pray, we come in here, first thing we do, we pray, we do. We take up an offering, we pray, before I preach, we pray, when I get done preaching, we'll pray. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's what we do, that's what believers do, and, and the concern that we have here is when he sees these things he's talking about their hope he's talking about their faith he's talking about 
He's talking about their love. It said, in all these things, every time we're together, we make mention of you in our prayers. The Holy Spirit guides us in how we are supposed to pray. There are times, you know, there's times like I don't know what to pray. I have a list of things that I need to pray about. I will put my uh, list down. I will, I will pray before the Lord and I'll seek the Lord in, in how I should pray. Now there are times when the Lord will impress me. It might be one of you. It might be somebody else. And the Lord will impress upon my heart to pray for somebody. And I might spend a great deal of time on, on any given day praying for one specific person. Spending a lot of time praying for one specific person. But with the Lord prompts us to do that, prompts me to do that, then I'll seek the Lord. Lord, how am I supposed to pray for this person? Do you know we do that? We're supposed to. The Lord will guide us in the way that we should pray. I may not have known anything about their circumstances. I may not have known anything about what they're going through, their situation. All of a sudden, I'm just prompted by the Lord. The Holy Spirit just prompts me somehow. Oh, man, there must be something going on. I need to pray for this person. And then I start asking, how am I supposed to pray for this person? And it might be a health thing. It might be some type of a crisis. Or I might be praying for the Lord to give them a physical strength. Or it may be emotionally. I mean, the Lord will guide me on how to pray. Then and the crazy thing about it is most of the time not all the time but sometimes the Lord will after he's impressed me to pray for somebody and he's, he, I think he's shown me how to pray for them I'll send them a text or an email or something like that hey I've spent a great deal of time praying for you and here's what I prayed for I prayed for the Lord to give you supernatural strength and give you wisdom and all that kind of stuff you know how many times nine times out of ten I'll get an email back or a text back Interesting. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm going through. You see, and you see how the Lord prompts you and leads you and everything on how to pray for somebody. Now you can't do that all day long. You can't do that for every person that you know. But in the meantime, you sit there and you make mention of them. No matter what, the Lord says every time we come together, every time we pray, we make mention of you. There's not. There's not. There's sometimes like you know we'll pray for some. We might emphasize them something, and so we pray for somebody else. But it's not like we forgot about them. We might mention them in like passing. We might mention them uh, by by name. And so there's times like I'm praying, and I'll say, "Now, nah, Lord," and I lift up to you this person. And, I, and that's all I say. I just say a few words, Lord. I lift this person up to you, and Lord, I lift this person. Up. Lord, remember, remember this person, because I can't sit there and pray an hour for each every, everybody on my list. But there's such, but because I just keep them before the Lord as a as a memorial. I keep them before the Lord as just in a, in, in remembrance and in in in, in, a, in a, before His mind and everything like that all the time. So there's times that I do that. This is what they're doing right here. Whenever we come together, we're mindful of you. Whenever we come together, we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. And then he says, he says this kind of stuff, and we make mention of you in our prayers. And this is what they're mentioning. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your works of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And this is what we're bringing for the Lord. He says, this is what we make mention of. This is the things. This is why we make mention. This is what we make mention of. He's talking about their faith and their love and their hope. This is the vital signs. This is the, this is the are you still alive kind of a thing. Is there hope? You know, is there, is there love? Is there, is there faith in there? Now here's the thing that jumps out at me, and I don't know if it jumps out on you, when I read the passages over there in 1 Corinthians, and he says, he says these abide, you know, faith, hope, and love, and, uh, and, and uh, the greatest of these is love. 
That's, a, that's amazing. But here, he's emphasizing not the faith, the hope, and the love, but what's he emphasizing? Huh? Yeah, no, you're missing it. You're missing it. What's he, what's he emphasizing? The work. Do you see that? He's just not talking about faith, hope, and love. A lot of times we'll read something like, oh, we're all for faith, amen. Yeah, we're all for faith. All for faith, stand, amen. All for, all for love, count me in. All for hope, yeah, we, we sign up for that. But what he's pointing out here is not the, just the faith, but it's real faith, real hope. And those things produce works in us. He says, he says remembering without ceasing your work of faith. You see that? Your work of faith. And what your labor your labor of love and and patience patience or your translation you're reading might say something like um it's not patience but it's that enduring to the your enduring endurance kind of a thing but when it starts talking about patience and hope that's the that's the thing that keeps you going you know that's that's the going part of it it keeps you going you you're facing all these things you're going through all these trials tribulations man look at what you've accomplished in just a, an amazingly short period of of time and everything but he's talking about faith hope and love in the sense that these things create works in you the works that are produced by faith. Are you with me, Baptist? Huh? The, the works that are produced by faith. There is a faith that produces works. And I know for Baptists, that's like, that's like dirty words or something like that. We are, we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. Amen? Lest any man should boast, it's not your works that are going to get you into heaven, but a faith that saves is going to produce good works. Amen? What's it James? James says, a faith without works is dead. <laughs> right. And he says, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And so there's a faith that produces. This is a this is a this is a faith. This is a work that is produced by faith. It's a faith that produces works. It's a, it's going deeper. You know, it's just more than just simple. You know, you can't just say claim faith in Jesus or something like that, and then keep going on living like you're you're living something in your life. This is how you know if you've got saving faith or not. Saving faith produces a change in your heart. Amen. You have faith. You're gonna you're gonna get out of things. You're gonna work, you're gonna walk away from some things. You're going to make some changes in your life. If it's saving faith, there's going to involve some repentance in everything that's going to take place in your life. You're going to start doing things differently. You're going to start, you're going to start having a burden on your heart for your other people around you who don't know the Lord. Why? Because you've got love. That love produces a labor. A labor of love. Amen? You've heard that term, labor of love before? But but here, but here you got a you got a faith, and the, and the faith is a is a faith that it, that it produces works in us. Ah, there's so many people that just we just stand around like a doofus, doing nothing, you know. And we talk about our faith in Christ. Oh man, if you've got real faith, it's going it's going to manifest itself. It's going to show itself. If you truly believe it, you're going to be doing something. You're going to be in the Lord. Amen? It's going to reveal itself to you like that. It's amazing. Amazing. But then he also talks about your labor of love. Labor. <laughs> it's work. <laughs> love is work. Amen? Love is work. 
uh, the word love can be pretty cheap. You know, there's that selfish kind of love and all of that kind of thing. We throw those, we throw this word love around the lot. But see, the love that, that Christ had for us is agape love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. It costs you something. If you love it, you love somebody. If you love the Lord, you're going to, you're, it's going to, it's going to, you're going to be sacrificial. If this is if this is genuinely real love for the Lord, it's going to produce you. It will it will take you to the point of exhaustion. You won't quit. You won't give up. You won't stop because it's the your love for the Lord that keeps driving you, that keeps you moving forward, and all of these kind of that's that's real love. Amen. That's just not some cheap word that's being thrown out. But love that the if the love of God produces a work. I commend you. He's saying, ah, oh, every time we make mention of you, this faith, the work, of, the work of your faith, the labor of your love, and then he then then the next thing he talks about is this hope. You know your perseverance. In in hope, your your patience of hope. Hope is a uh, that's a forward looking thing. You know, I don't I don't hope to have this water. I've already got <laughs> I got this water. Amen. I hope to drink it. You know uh, that sort of thing. But I I already have it. And so the hope that uh, we have. It's it's the thing that drives us. It's the thing that keeps us going. Kind of my hope is not in this th- in the things of this world. My hope is not in stuff. You know that sort of thing. My hope is my hope is in the Lord. My hope rests in the Lord, and it's a future kind of a hope. These guys were sitting around. They were believing in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is what they were doing. They had they were taught to believe that the Lord could return at any moment. Could he? They lived their life. They walked out their Christianity with that kind of anticipation that at any time the Lord could return. And when they were, when the Lord returned, they wanted they wanted to be ready for the Lord's to return. This is the kind of hope that they had. In fact, when Paul sent this letter to them, First Thessalonians, this first letter to them, he got he gets to talking here a little bit, says a few things about the return of the Lord. You know how they interpreted that? They interpreted that to mean that somehow they might have missed the, the coming of the Lord. Oh. It was like, what in the world did we do? <laughs> they, you know, they, they, how could we miss this? And so what he ends up doing is he has to write Second Thessalonians to correct some of their thinking that they misinterpreted things when he wrote First Thessalonians. And that's when in Second Thessalonians he says, you know, don't, don't be alarmed by any letter you've received of us or anybody else concerning the coming of the Lord. When the Lord returns, it's going to look like this. And he tells them what the coming of the Lord is going to look like and everything. But man, they had such an anticipation that the Lord's going to return, it affected everything that they did. Everything that they did. The Lord, And that's important because you've got to remember that they're sitting here facing unheard of persecution, suffering for their faith, uh, their faith in Christ, and nothing's going to stop them. Their faith keeps them... There's a work in that. Their, 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 uh, their love for the Lord. There's a labor in that. They love the Lord. They love the things of God. They love people. you know. And it's the hope that's going to keep them going. And in the midst and in the and in the and in the face of persecution and everything else that they were facing, they had to have that kind of hope in order to stand and take the things that they were that they were having to face on a continual daily basis. That's amazing hope, isn't it? A hope that is is confident in in, in looking ahead and hope. This kind of hope is like this. You. With that kind of hope, you can face anything. Their hope was such that they're not looking for their rewards now. 
You know, they're not looking for all their promises and everything now, but their hope is in the future. Their rewards aren't for now. Their rewards are for later. They're believing the Lord that all of this is going to pay dividends later. You know, the sacrifices and the suffering you know, is going to bring about in them an even greater reward in heaven. That's hope. Amen? That's real hope. That ain't no fake kind of hope. That's real hope. You're staking everything you got on the promises of God in the future. Amen? Amen. And see, this is the amazing thing about it to me. This, this is how He sees them. You're alive. You're alive. Why are you alive? Because I see things. Faith, hope, and love. These things are at work in you. And it's not just the words, faith, hope, and love. Your faith has produced a work. Your love, is a, there's a labor in that. And there's, a, and there's a perseverance in everything to the hope and everything that you have. That faith, hope, and love is not the important words that you're looking at there. The important words that you're looking at is the work and the labor. You see, and the patience. That's the importance. Those, those are the important words that there are. I look at it. Alright, here we go. Are you alive? Paul sends a letter. You still alive? <laughs> you, still, you still over there? Paul Timothy comes back and says, oh yeah, they're alive. They're, they're more than alive. They're more than alive than all those other joints I had to pass through getting there. And it's like, let's take your pulse. Let's see what it feels like. Take your pulse. Do they have faith? Do you have faith? Oh yeah, I feel faith. Ooh, it's a strong faith. It's a faith that produces works. You see? Yeah, they're alive. they they got faith. they got faith. I can feel it. I can see it. You know? How about love? Do they have love? Oh, let me feel this. Oh, yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it in their pulse. It's pulsating. They've got love. Man, do they have love. They labor in love. They've got a powerful, strong love to them. Are they still alive? Oh, yeah, they got faith. they got a work of faith. they got a labor of love. You see that? How about hope? Do they have hope? Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> let me see. Lord, let me see. Let me see. Oh, yeah. It's a powerful hope. they got a strong hope in them. That, that that results in patience and perseverance, unlike anything that you'd ever ever want to see. There's a, there's the right there's the signs that you're still alive. Amen. Faith, hope, and love. That's the signs that you're still alive. I don't know what you're gauging it by, but right there's what the Lord's gauging it by. He goes back to that. I was only there for a short period of time. How did it work out for you? Oh man, oh man, they're alive. They're alive. You see, and the same thing is true for even us uh, today. You know, the Lord's come and take your pulse. Are you still kicking? Are you still alive? You still breathing? Are you still breathing? Let me let me let me let me feel. Let me let me let me take your pulse uh, for a minute. And the same thing is true for us. You're not dead. So as long as you have these things, these this is these are the these are the indicators right here. A faith that produces works. A love that produces a labor and a hope that keeps you going. Amen? Amen. Amen. What's the hymn of invitation? 323. 323. Let's stand for a moment. What is it again? 323. What's the name of that song? Come, you sinners. Okay.
Lord, I know I'm glad I'm here. Bless you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for drawing attention to these these things as you have. These three things abide together, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Lord, we see something here. I don't know. I never, I never looked at, considered the First Thessalonians passage even be talking about faith, hope, and love. We looked at something completely different. But this, this, they're commended here. Paul is encouraging them, and he's looking at their works. Is what he's looking at, and it's evidenced by their faith. Their faith that that produces a work. Their, 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 their love that produces a, a work. Their, their, their hope, God, that produces a work. Ah, Lord, we're never going to grow. We're never going to grow unless we excel, unless we work. And each of these areas does have a work. I know that the growth spiral thing, the the faith is that we take our knowledge and we we implement the hope, we do it, and then the love, the discernment, and we grow and we grow and we grow. But each of these things have a work in and of themselves, a work and a labor and thing, and we're never going to grow. We're never going to grow unless these things are strong. And so increase our, our faith. Real faith. And faith that takes us further, deeper than we've ever been uh, before. And uh, put us to work. Change something within us, God. The, the labor of love. The hope, God. The, the patience of hope. It's a testing. There's a testing coming to each of us, God. Right now, we find us in our, ourselves in a time, even of, of testing. And God, may we persevere and be patient, waiting upon you, Lord, with hope, steadfast hope, God, that we have. Let me take a little vital signs here this morning. Take a little. Take a little read. You know, hook us up to the monitor. Check us, Lord. Check our. Check our pulse. Check our. Or check these things out for us, God. Keep us mindful that you're 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 looking at something specific when it comes to these people. But the Lord, the same thing is true for us. You're looking at these. You're looking for these specific things in us. We want the letters that you write to us to start off the salutations and everything to start off just like these things, Lord. Not with, not with. Uh, Lord, the the whole reprimand thing. But God, if we're deserving of reprimand, give that to us. We're deserving of correction and everything. Give that to us as well. But we want to be uh, good examples. Lord, that's our heart's desires. We want to be a a, a faithful witness uh, to You. And so right now, God, we're opening up the invitation time. You've spoken to someone. You're bound to have spoken to someone. You spoke. You spoke to me just by looking at the just looking at these first three verses. It, it was it was enough to 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 spur some thoughts in my own head so i pray god that even this morning that those thoughts have been spurred in all of our minds uh, this morning so the invitation is yours accomplish accomplish what you will lord jesus we pray believing god believing and trusting in the name of jesus amen